Welcome to the Unity of the Valley Spiritual Center podcast featuring Reverend Dahlia Adams. You may visit us online at unityvacaville.org or you may visit us in person at 350 North Orchard Avenue in Vacaville, California. And now here is Reverend Dahlia Adams. Welcome again to Unity of the Valley Spiritual Center. My name is Reverend Dahlia Adams and I am honored to be here with you today. We've been talking about the power that is within us, the power that is far greater than the appearance, than the circumstances that we find ourselves in. And today I want to talk about the power of the mind, or begin the conversation at least, about the power of the mind, because there is so much to it, so much to consider so much to reflect on. But let's begin first with with the beginning, the power of the mind. And the question, what is the mind? So I invite you right now, if you're sitting, that's great, to be sitting down, put things down and reflect for a minute. Close your eyes if it's helpful. And consider the question, what is the mind? In your reflection, focus your attention on your mind. And then just notice what comes up. What is it that you touch or that you notice or that you become aware of? when you turn your attention to your mind. Linger there just for a little bit. And then take a deep breath, open your eyes. And without thinking about it, point to where you turned your attention. When I do this in a room filled with people, most people point to their, their foreheads, to the top of their heads, or somewhere in the head region. On rare occasion, I have people putting their hands on their hearts. Others just seem confused because there is no physical place that they could find to which they wanted to point. And some people later in conversation told me that what came up for them was the spaciousness of the universe. And so everyone's right. The mind ultimately is not captured by a location. Like God, the mind is everywhere present. We're used to thinking in terms of the mind is in our heads because the brain is in our heads. But the brain is not equal to the mind. There is a a book 
by a man named Tarode, and I'm not sure I'm pronouncing his name right, Sam Tarode. He wrote a book about Emerson's teachings about the mind. Ralph Waldo Emerson spent a lot of time reflecting on the nature of the mind. And Tarode's book is based on Emerson's teachings. And in his book, he says, our brains allow us to access certain frequencies of mind. The firing of neurons is correlated with thought, but does not cause thought. Correlated with means it's related to. It appears synchronistically as the neurons are firing, thoughts are arising, the mind seems to be in a creative mode. But those neurons firing are not the source of the mind. They are not the source of the thoughts. A better way of considering it is to see those neurons that are firing to be like processors. The information is pulled in by them. They they access the information that is in the mind and then process that information. Not everybody believes what I just read. Not everybody believes this that I consider truth. There's different assumptions that people operate with. And there are two major assumptions. One assumption says that matter comes first, that the physical stuff is primary, and that somehow through random chance, everything evolved and evolved to become complex enough that the human brain then generates what we call mind or sometimes consciousness, but that the mind is a product of these very complex biological systems, if you will. There's no proof for this. It is an assumption that is made. It's considered a scientific assumption, but it is no more scientific than any other assumption. It is just this position that the physical stuff came first. There is another school of thought, equally powerful, and that says that, no, the stuff didn't come first. Consciousness or mind with a capital M, what some people use the name God for, God, consciousness, spirit, mind, whatever name you want to give it, that that is what is primary. And that this mind, divine mind, if you will, generated all of the material stuff and it evolved and it became complex enough to help process the stuff of the mind, the thoughts, the ideas, the beliefs, the inspirations. I choose to go with the second assumption and anybody who follows either train of thought, whether they're conscious of it or not, begins by choosing that assumption. 
There is no scientific proof for either one. The second one just makes so much more sense to me, and it feels true in my heart, in my soul, in my spirit. My experience of mind, my experience of the presence of the divine, makes me certain of it, which is different from scientific proof, but they are what they are. If I go to a dictionary online, one of them is called Free Dictionary. And the Free Dictionary says that the mind or mind is the part or faculty of a person by which one feels, perceives, thinks, remembers, desires, and imagines. I would add chooses, um, experiences fear, it is inspired. That's a short list of the things that we attribute to mind, but it captures the idea, uh, a basic idea. Our own Charles Fillmore, co-founder of the Unity Movement, wrote quite a bit about mind and had many definitions of mind in his book, The Revealing Word. One of the definitions that Charles Fillmore gave is similar to the Free Dictionary, and he writes that mind is the seat of perception of the things we see, hear, and feel. The beauties of the earth, sky, music, art. And we can choose to focus our attention or turn our attention to the beauties of the earth, the sky, music, and art. But our perceptions are all over the place. Our perceptions are our own interpretations, again, whether we're conscious of it or not. Our perceptions are interpretations of sensory input. They are the interpretations of the things we see, hear, smell, feel, taste. I had an experience when I lived in Florida, there was an 11-mile bridge that was actually a causeway. Most of it was just slightly elevated over Tampa Bay. There was an area that was elevated to allow boats to go under. But, but it was a long, straight, pretty straight causeway. And once you were on this bridge, if something happened, if there was an accident or some sort of blockage of one of the lanes, you could come to a complete standstill for a long, long, long time. Here in California, similar things happen to bridges, but I have never seen the type of backup that was possible on this 11-mile bridge. And I was on this bridge, and something like that happened because I'm trying to remember if it was three lanes or how many lanes, but I think it was three, maybe four. We were at a complete stop, and then after a minute or so, traffic would crawl forward maybe 10 feet, 12 feet. 
and then a complete stop. So I was settled in, and in that part of Florida, skies tend to be very, very blue, sometimes white puffy clouds. It's really beautiful. And you could see the bay from where I was from my lane. And then on the lampposts, you would have birds, birds sitting there waiting to fish the bay. And there were osprey, there were owls, there were eagles, there were um, blue-footed boobies, I think they were called, and every uh, seagulls. And so every lamppost had a different bird. So I was really enjoying this traffic backup. My perception was that everything was ultimately okay, and it was an opportunity to enjoy the surroundings, to watch the birds. That's what was going on in my mind. I'm in the middle of this, enjoying everything, and I feel my car being shoved. And so I inched forward a little. I figured the guy behind me accidentally but it wasn't accidentally. After a little while, he shoves me again a little harder. There is nowhere to go. And so then what I'm thinking is that he's in road rage because it's getting more frequent and harder and harder. And I'm getting scared. There is nowhere to go. I mean, he wants me to move, but I can't. And so as slowly but as deliberately as I could, I got in a different lane. So he would no longer be behind me. And he got in that lane too and started shoving me again. And I made it across the bridge from that point on in sheer terror. I no longer saw the birds or the blue sky or those clouds or the bay. And my guess is in his perception, he never saw any of that. He didn't perceive what... Even though the sensations were there, the blue sky was there, the bay was there, he could not have been focusing his attention. His perceptions could not have included the earth, the sky, the music, and the art, the way Charles Fillmore said. Because it wouldn't have occurred to him to try to push my car. I, find I got off safely at the other end. There happened to be a policeman because he got off right after me. I mean, at this point, apparently I had done something very wrong, but I was able to pull up alongside the policeman and he kept going. So I was grateful about that. So our mind is our perceptions. It's what we see, what we hear what we feel, and we have choices around those perceptions. And it is also the starting point of every act and thought and feeling. And like in that story I told, my perceptions led me to positive thoughts and feelings of this is a beautiful day. His perceptions led him to act in an aggressive way. So the mind is the starting point for all of that. So we're beginning to get a sense of the power of the mind. It is the source of our experiences. It is a starting point for our actions and our thoughts. Viktor Frankl is a wonderful example of how 
the mind is the source of our thoughts and actions, even though it looks like we're at the mercy of circumstances. And those circumstances define our thoughts, our actions, our choices. Viktor Frankl wrote about the fact that we are free to choose how we show up, who we are in any given circumstance. He was um, in a detention center in a concentration camp during the Holocaust, and he saw horrors that are beyond description. He saw his family being killed. But despite all of it, after that, he wrote, everything can be taken from a man but one thing, the last of the human freedoms to choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances to choose one's own way. So this comes from the mind from the way we see things, the way we draw on inner strength as a choice, the way we respond to circumstances by claiming that freedom to be who we are. It's very easy to be pushed around by what's happening. But it, the power, the freedom to remain who we are is in our minds in the things we choose to see, think, and do. Charles Fillmore went on to write that mind is the common meeting ground of God and man. If mind can be that within us that allows us to stay who we are in the face of horrors, horrors like the ones Viktor Frankl experienced, then it is more than neurons firing. They would not have the capacity to give someone that kind of strength and clarity and ability to choose. That comes from the mind that is that common meeting ground with God. We find God in our deepest experiences of mind, when we are choiceful, when we are mindful, when we are fully aware of the potential within us, no matter what's going on, we are in touch with that presence of God that is within us. So I think Charles Fillmore's definition, where he called mind the common meeting ground of God and man, nailed it. It nailed some very, very basic truth about mind. I mean, we could talk at length about how the mind processes numbers and we learn how to do multiplication, division, addition, subtraction. And that could be a year's worth of study if we went deep enough. But it's the way the mind calculates possibilities. It's the way the mind gives meaning to what we're experiencing. It is the way the mind is the starting point for the choices that we make. It is in those moments that the mind that is within us is also 
in the mind of God, if you will. Charles Fillmore wrote further, he said, by the term or the word mind, we mean God. We mean that we are offspring of the one mind. I like the word expressions, so I would say we are expressions of the one mind or the mind of God. And again, as we go deeper and deeper into what is the power of the mind, we find we touch that divine presence that is within us, and it is through our minds that we come to know and experience the mind of God, the creative power of God, and we are able to align our, our mind with the mind of God. The Course in Miracles repeatedly teaches about the oneness with God. And in one chapter it writes, what is not in God's mind cannot be in yours because you are of one mind and that mind belongs to God. So the Course would say all the trivial stuff that passes through our minds or the knee-jerk reactions that passes through our minds are not real. It's those moments when we touch God's presence within us, when we feel the mind of God acting in and through our minds, that's when we touch what is truly our own mind. Back to Charles Fillmore, our co-founder in Unity. Man in the consciousness of the one mind has no sense of apartness. Again, when we are in the depths of mind where we feel that divine presence working through us, there is no sense of separation from God. We experience a oneness with God when we are in that consciousness of one mind. Charles Fillmore went on to say, man can attune himself to the one mind transmute his thoughts, and accomplish the seemingly impossible. We began with the question of what is mind, and we're talking about the power of mind. So what we're learning is that the power of mind is, is that ability to know the presence of God, to know that our minds and the mind of God are one, that our minds are one with the mind of God. Because truly, without God, without the mind of God, our minds would not exist. So we are one with this greater thing, this mind of God, the one mind. So that's one of the powers. It is the power to choose how we show up. It's the power to see the beauty, the art, the water, the skies. It is the power to transmute, to change the thoughts, those automatic thoughts that come up. 
And as we do that, as we are aligned with the mind of God, infinite possibilities become a reality in our lives and we accomplish the seemingly impossible. So the power of the mind is far greater than that which we can even imagine. Wayne Dyer, a favorite unity spiritual teacher, wrote that if we want to change our lives, and many of us do, we need to stretch our minds. And maybe I would say we need to open our minds to that presence of the one mind. And so it is. We hope you enjoyed today's message. If you would like to support this podcast, you may do so at unityvacaville.org.